one of the most unique podcasts on the planet. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. The show about everything related to student transportation. If you're a student transportation professional, you found your show. Hey, bus driver. Exploring the entire school transportation universe. Talking to interesting and inspiring people, exchanging ideas, promoting student transportation industry growth, and sharing a few funny stories along the way. Now, live from Phoenix, Arizona, this is Hey Bus Driver, and this is Jason Nelson. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Hey Bus Driver podcast. Uh, we got a good panel in here today. Um, pretty excited about Keith uh, Corso from Busrite reached out a couple weeks ago, I feel like, and said, "Hey, let's get together a group of, of people from around the country." And um, you know, so here we are. We're going to talk a little bit about just what you all are doing to kind of prep uh, through the summer, getting ready for the upcoming school year, which to me feels right around the corner. I, I don't know about you guys, but I have a very, very busy summer, and when I look at my calendar, I'm like. <laughs> It's coming too fast, so uh, welcome to everybody. I'm just going to kind of go around the room uh, real quick with names, and then we'll just, uh, I guess, start off. Uh, so I've got Robert Martin here, uh, Maureen Seedenhop, uh, Pam, Pam Agnes, Dr. Michael Eubanks, Keith Corso's in the room. I don't know if anybody else is going to join. If they do, we'll, we'll bring them in. But uh, thank you all for taking time out of your days hopefully school is out for the summer and you guys are getting a little bit of a a breather and a you know hopefully a vacation on the on the list so let's start with uh robert actually let me hand it off to keith first and just say keith how's it going sir well good uh it's nice to kind of pull all you guys together i feel like a bunch of different worlds are colliding when you have some of the brightest minds in student transportation in one uh, virtual room here so uh, Jason, thanks for having the forum for to, to make this possible, and thanks to all of you for taking the time out of your busy schedules yeah. to share some insight with the yeah. with the rest of the country. So back to you, Jason. For sure. No, I, again, I appreciate it. I think with Keith and everything that he's doing with his team, just bringing more people to light, right, and helping share their stories. So I'm excited to hear what uh, what everybody's doing today. Uh, so let's start out with uh, Robert Martin, or yeah, Robert Martin. Um, just welcome and, um, you know, maybe a little introduction, uh, about where you're at and your, what you, what you do in transportation. Jason, thank you so much for having me. In fact, you just, uh, be cut the formalities. Uh, my name is uh, Bob Martin. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me here. Um, I've been a bus driver since 2007 and a director of the last nine years since 2013, uh, here in central Indiana. And we transport around 3,700 students, uh, each and every day. Right on. Welcome. Uh, let's go to Maureen. Hi. Um, so I'm the director of transportation almost 17 years in Carver, Massachusetts. And our last day of school isn't until June 27th. So we still have a while to go. Um, very late this year. We have uh, 1,600 students. And we just have two schools, uh, uh, elementary and a middle high school. Right on. So you guys uh, start or traditionally start as schools used to start after Labor Day. Is that when your first day of school was? Um, usually, yes. But the uh, yeah, they changed it to before. Oh, okay. Because gotcha. it's so late. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome. Uh, Pam. Thank you. Thank you. Mute Pam unmuted. 
Sorry there about that. Go. No, you're good. <laughs> I was just uh, talking and realizing that I didn't have my mute button off. But thank you for having me as well. This is a, a pleasure to enjoy uh, some forces here and see what everyone has uh, going on. But um, I'm in northern New Jersey. I transport about 5,000 students um, in district. And then we have some out-of-district placements that we do as well. Um, and, yeah, we're still in school as well. Wow. Okay. And then certainly, uh, not last but least, uh, Dr. Michael Eubanks. Hey, how's everybody doing? I am, uh, I'm actually the assistant superintendent here in Law, Mississippi, where we transport about 28 students. Um, and I also help and assist with transportation shortages. I also help and support my transportation um, team. School has ended for us. However, summer school has started. And this is a quite a unique year for us because we're moving to a modified calendar where we will um, basically kind of have a similar to a very similar all year around schedule. Right on. Yeah, the, the district that I was at just uh, just came out with their calendar for the 23-24 school year. They're going to be transitioning to that. So the kids will be coming in mid-July. They'll get a two-week fall break, a two-week winter break, and a two-week spring break, and then um, you know, go rock with that. So I think that, you know, on the, on the educational side, I think, you know, more and more studies are showing that the, the slide during the summer is, um, you know, a real thing. And I think a lot of people are trying to really spend a lot of time catching kids up from, uh, you know, being two years, basically virtually. Right. I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of States that hadn't migrated from, uh, virtual platforms yet back into the classroom so i think it's you know maybe safe to say i don't know knock on wood that we're post pandemic at this point so um but yeah welcome to all of you thank you for all being here um so really i just kind of um you know maybe if anybody wants to just share their story just how they got you know how they got into transportation like just you know i think it's always interesting just to hear people's stories i know when keith reached out to me i mean we we feel i feel like we talked for like 45 minutes just about my history but uh, do any of you just have that kind of like enriching story that you want to share with um you know anybody that's listening that might be like you know i work a desk job and i'd be interested to come into transportation pam sure so actually i had a whole career before even thinking i of transportation. I don't think that was even a thought process before this. I used to work in uh, lending and uh, banking and I actually started a few banks and then I started um, doing consulting work for computers in the banking industry when banks would merge. So um, I have a very big computer and uh, financial background, but um, I did want to stay home and raise my kids for a little bit while they were younger. So my husband took on more jobs so I could stay home. And then when I was ready to go back, I wasn't ready to go back full time right away. So he's like, Oh, just find something part time. So of course, my one friend said, Well, you should start out here. Oh, we have a bus aid position open. I'm like, Okay, great. <laughs> so it was never though the continual thought that this would be I always thought I would go back to my original career. But I guess over time, you know, I learned to love where I was. I went from that to driving, um, then to working in the office as an assistant and now as a supervisor for um, transportation here in um, our district. But I just, um, 
I guess, you know, you just get to this point where you're like, oh, well, this is what I should the progressive points, but you never go back. So, yeah, you're right. No, thank you for sharing. Anybody, anybody else want to share kind of how they got in? Uh, Bob? Yeah, I was uh, in global sales with AT&T and I had formed my own business and, and uh, working from home, raising my girls. My uh, wife, uh, my ex-wife now is a uh, doctor. And so I was kind of house dad. And my daughter uh, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And so I needed to go on field trips uh, with her just to make sure everything was okay uh, because we were short nurses in the school system. And I'm like, well, how can I go on the field trip and get paid? And that was my mindset at the time. So uh, <laughs> I could uh, go you know, get a teacher's degree and uh, transition to teaching. But I was like, well, that doesn't guarantee me that I'm in the right, you know, right spot at the right classroom. So let's get to be a bus driver. So Came a bus driver, sub bus driver, and uh, for six years. And then once the uh, the director left, he recommended that I move into that role. And it's a role that is so dynamic and, and so many different things that are going on from planning and routing and uh, dealing with the people, the public, the parents, the children, and uh, so many different things and challenges that I never realized that could go into a school bus and sure. so uh, into that environment. So it's been very re- rewarding from that standpoint. And uh, so uh, anyway, it's been a great great journey for us yeah i I find that it's you know everybody kind of just has this idea of the school bus you know especially as maybe parents right what they what they wrote or hey i put my kid on the bus but they don't necessarily pay attention to all of i mean it's so diverse and so robust in the operation that goes into moving kids from point a to point b right it's in its simplistic form we're just moving kids from point a to point b but everything that goes into it behind the scenes is is pretty amazing so Thank you for, for sharing. Uh, Maureen or Dr. Eubanks, either one of you want to jump in? Maureen, go ahead. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I was a, I worked out of the house for 10 years and I wanted to get back into the, you know, once the kids were old enough. So I got up like Pam, a part-time job. It was like a clerk position at this office. And the day after the director walked out and 17 years later, here I am. <laughs> wow. So I got th- basically thrown into the position, and but I've been, you know, I have enjoyed it obviously because I've been here since then. Right. So it was a lot of uh, on, you know, they, hands-on learning for they sure. Didn't, yeah, I I think they call it trial by fire or drinking from a fire hydrant yeah, or something along those lines. For sure. Oh. Uh, I, I think that's, you know, that's that's kind of the story of a lot of people, right? They get they get thrown into it or, um, you know, and then it's whether they whether they stick it out and see it all the way through or they throw up their hands after a year, or a couple of years and say, I'm done and I'm on my way to go do something else. So right on. Right. Yeah. All right. I'm here to stay. <laughs> well, we we appreciate that. Uh, Dr. Eubanks, you want to get in or we move on to the next question? Up to you. Yeah, I'll be very brief. Prior to this experience, I was a high school principal in the district. So I've been the high school principal. Um, and this year I moved into the assistant superintendent role where I managed the operations side of things. So I have transportation maintenance along with some other things. Sure. And, uh, you know, it has been very, we were in the process about, we were in the process of actually signing, contracting our transportation services out. Okay. But, you know, we had so many people who were veterans that really wanted to want me to work with them to see if we could maintain it ourselves. People who have been driving the bus for 25 years. So this year I decided to give them a shot to see if we could pull together to be able to uh, 
to transport our kids in an efficient way. And and we had our struggles, but we made it through. And and right now we're in the process of planning so that we could, you know, become better because we are building our department back up. Sure. And we've got some really committed and um really committed and talented drivers. So I'm giving them an opportunity to show me that we can do it ourselves without having to outsource it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually going to be doing a podcast later today on outsource trans, just talking to a contractor and and just understanding the dynamic that goes into that. Because I think out here, at least on the West Coast, we don't see a lot of that. We see it more like it, there is contracted transportation, but it's privatized in that it's more for like special needs, you know, one-on-one placement type stuff or, or homeless populations. Whereas on the East coast, right. It's, it's a whole company that's coming in and driving for the entire school district. So it's, it's, it's different. It's interesting to see the, the difference across the country and, and what the, the thinking is there, but just kind of transitioning, like what would you say? I mean, we probably we raise, you know, raise of hands, whatever you guys want to do. We could, we could say how many, What's your biggest challenge, right? Are we safe to say that the driver shortage is, is a real thing and uh, that's your biggest challenge? Or uh, is, first of all, does anybody want to talk to that? But is there anything else that maybe supersedes that and, um, you know, just comes to the forefront beyond that? Pam? Sure, yes. Um, having qualified drivers and um Keeping a younger staff, I think, is a challenge for us right now. Um, we can't get younger drivers, and we have a lot retiring. And it's, you know, obviously everywhere countrywide that the driver shortage is uh, really affecting us, and it's actually coming on our district very hard these last last couple of months, I would say, and into next year or so, um, and we just can't replace as they're leaving. And then on top of that, I think for us, we also have a challenge of um, aids. Like we, we have bus aids that uh, we use for our special ed runs, and we can't get a younger crowd for that area either. So we're training like over and over again because we have people who um, – you know, are out sick a lot and have, you know, aging issues and, and things like that. So we're, we're struggling all the way around yeah. with uh, staff, basically. Yep. Anybody else have any, uh, I mean, I, I, again, everybody I assume is probably short staffed, right? Hmm. Yep. Yeah. I see a lot of head <laughs> nods for sure. Any other like large challenge? I mean, did, how many of you, I guess, got wiped out by, you know, the pandemic? Like people just, you know, obviously you're talk you talk to the age side, right? There's, you know, a lot of our drivers are 55 plus, And so they're, you know, how many of them, their doctors were saying you really shouldn't be out there in the workforce. You need to stay home. And so they take a retirement or they quit or, you know, whatnot. I mean, was that something that you guys really saw during, you know, during 2020, Bob? Yeah, it really was. We had several drivers in our fleet that were very concerned for their health. And at that time, uh, you know, in March 2020, when it did fall down and come to fruition that, hey, we've got a serious problem here. Uh, it Going into the fall that year, and of course, we shut down. And then going into the fall, they were very concerned for their health. So did a lot of studies on air movement, different things. Uh, some studies out of South Korea were talking about how you could get fresh air moving. So we did, a, you know, we had streamers, actually streamers in the bus doing different windows uh, scenarios to see how we could get the most airflow with the right amount of windows crack. Uh, and that, and we kept that bus that way the entire time, just so that even in the cold, 
um, just so that we always had fresh air moving uh, within the bus. But we did have drivers that just didn't want to come back. And it's a balance of coming alongside them and saying, listen, I understand. And it's going to be OK. And your route is going to be here. Um, let's see if we can get you into maybe a route with fewer children. Um, let's bring your spouses in so that we can let them know what we're trying to do to help create a safer environment for you. Um, you know, so we did a lot of different things just coming up to it, but it, it really took a toll on the drivers, not only physically uh, for those that did contract COVID, but emotionally and, and uh, spiritually, psychologically wearing the mask and different things. It took a, a huge toll on our group. Yeah, no, I uh, 100% agree. Anybody else want to add to that? I guess I was, I guess lucky because we didn't lose anybody during the oh, pandemic. So that's really good. That's very positive. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. No, that's that's really good. I I think that, and I don't I don't know if it's maybe just my perception, but uh, it feels like now that we're kind of out of it, right? That I at least the work that I've done with some of the districts that I've been traveling around to, they, um, you know, they're losing a lot of people still. And I'm, I don't know if that's just because they're just tired, you know, right. I mean, they've been worked to the, to the bone in the last couple of years through all the extras, the, the staffing shortage where now they're having to do drop and returns, right. They go take their route out, they go back for another group and they go back again, just because like, there is no, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And then the other side of it, right. I think just, you know, we could talk probably a whole podcast or two on student management and just the, like where students are coming from. Maybe that'd be an interesting dynamic to, to talk about from Dr. Eubanks, uh, just hearing about like student, student management, what's expected in the school and how it's dealt with. But then, Right. It seems like there's a disconnect from teacher to bus driver and the, um, you know, e even though they're adults and they're school employees, like the, the respect level just kind of goes away. But Keith, what do you got? No, I'd love to hear from Dr. Ubex okay, on that sure. Topic. Yeah, go ahead. Which is one of my priorities this year is trying to figure out um, how can I be fiscally responsible and put monitors on what I call my high profile buses. Mm -hmm. Um, so that and so one of the things that I have in my mind is that what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to connect specific qualified adults, certified adults to certain buses where I have my issues, because I was talking to a transportation director this morning in the gym and he was basically saying that for certain people, they don't have a level of respect. And what I was telling him was that if they are if you're able to connect them to an adult in that building who is very familiar with the culture and the climate of that school, it's, they're more likely to have a different level of respect and to respond because they're familiar with the discipline. They, they can get in contact with the parent, <laughs> number one. And number two, they know how to get in contact with the parent. So with the principal, so that the peer, principal can um, discipline them accordingly or put interventions in place to address those behaviors. So my goal is to try to connect, and I'm going to start small, maybe one to two adults from in the building and tie them to what I call my high-profile buses to assist with some of those discipline issues. Also, I use some of these extra funds that we have for cameras, wow. <laughs> which we all of, our, all of our buses didn't have them. So I just we just put four cameras on each bus. Wow. Uh, we finalized that project today, so I'm nice. excited about that. For me to be able to hold them accountable. Yeah, it's great. No, I I appreciate that, Keith. You want to jump in? Oh, any other any other thoughts on student management? I'm sure there's a, there's a lot going around the the room here. Pam, I saw your, your eyebrows go up. Go ahead. 
We definitely have an issue with the student management. And I think a lot of it is in like, so when you were saying that you're losing drivers because of it, and that is true, we're actually losing drivers because of it, because we have an older um, staff that drives. And then in the schools, we have younger and younger principals and, um, you know, the, the teachers and the advisors and, you know, the counselors and all that. So there's a different, there's like a disconnect in, how like our adults fleet had been you know they've been driving for a long time so like children were managed differently like their behaviors were managed differently and now we'll hear from like a principal who will say well we have to pick our battles and you know <laughs> it's like it's a very very different world like you know and yeah. we, i joke about this all the time and i'll share this this is very very crazy but when i was younger which was many many moons ago but when i was in uh, fifth grade, I had called a teacher an old fart. I was suspended from school for two days. And that was all I said. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't very nice, but I mean, I was in fifth grade. Now we have F-bomb as part of like cultural. The English work. language. <laughs> yeah. So that's not even, we don't even get into that. But yeah, yeah it, it's just, that's just to correlate the differences between what my drivers probably expect, you know, and trying to, you know, deal as they go. And each year that just seems that the children are less and less respectful. And this year with the pandemic, you know, coming into full play, this was our first full year back to school. And I really think that that took a toll on the children themselves and how they act out and how, you know, probably things they were able to do during the pandemic that, you know, maybe, you know, into, like also, pushes forward through what that how they behave now sure and i i definitely agree there right i think that we transportation departments focus so much on like the the certification and getting a, a driver trained to drive just drive the school bus right you have educators that go to years and years of school to learn how to work with youth and and like teach kids right so they get they get degrees and doctorates and all sorts of things that, that come with that and we give an adult a crash course and say well you were a you were a parent so you know basically go forth and conquer and good luck and you know i think there's so much more that we can do i know there's cpi training there's all sorts of de-escalation techniques and um pbis if you do that on the bus you know we we could talk about that but dr eubanks raises hand so i'd like to to hear what he has to say about uh, what pam said and one one of the things that I I did that helped my the morale of my drivers, and I did not know that it was actually going to really impact my drivers the way that it did. But I put I took the the central office staff, and I gave certain I signed everybody was required to get on a bus and ride a route, including yeah. the superintendent. Also, I took the principals and some of those assistant principals and put them on the bus as well. And so that really they weren't able to do it every day. But I put, took people from the curriculum department, people from the SPAD department. People. And so it was kind of like it was it boosted the morale for the drivers, but it also put things in perspective Absolutely. for the people who are working at central offices. Because sometimes you can get really disconnected from what's actually going on if you're not on those buses. Yeah. And so it gave them a perspective and a different level of respect. So it built the camaraderie between our administrators, as well as our bus drivers, because most of, more often than not, they they rarely come into contact with one another. Right, so right. we gave them a newfound uh, respect for one another, 
um, so that when they do get those discipline referrals, they kind of know, hey, Miss Miss Francis or Miss Frida or Miss Ruth Ann, she needs some support. Yeah, and it's and it's not it's not the same as you know standing in front of a classroom of kids facing them, right? Or you're facing away from them, basically paying attention to the road. You're looking up in the mirror. You're trying to direct everything, make sure that everybody's good to go. So uh, it's but it, it, for sure it interesting. It. I will say that it did boost the, like I said, it boosts the morale. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it helped with building the relationships and the culture and the climate that I ultimately want to build on throughout these next few years. One second. Uh, Bob, go ahead. I have a question from what uh, Pamela said and then Dr. Eubanks in terms of connecting with uh, having central office and the drivers connecting and building those bridges. And then Pamela, with what you're talking about, the older drivers uh, just not uh, getting, if you will, um, these younger kids, you know, sometimes the F-bombs, that's just how they talk. Um, and, and, you know, it just and so it's overcoming that. And uh, but, you know, one thing that we were trying to deal with and, and for our drivers is the pronouns and, and just talking about I want to ask Mr. Eubanks in terms of getting them to understand how important it is for these kids to be spoken to in the right pronoun. We had this one gal and based on conduct reports, I know she's having some problems, Sophia, and she's transitioning to, to Micah. And so, you know, I got called over to the bus one time and, and I asked the driver, I'm like, it's Micah, right? I just want to make sure that, you know, just make sure I say this correctly, because if I come in and say, Sophia, what are you doing? And today she's Micah, then it changes the whole demeanor of, you know, what she's going through. Dr. Eubanks, how do you, what type of trainings out there? How do you, do you guys deal with that at all? I mean, is that something that you're seeing more and more of uh, and what these kids are going through? I mean, over the, not only the last two years, but this whole new era of, uh, there's a lot of confusion out there for these young kids. Yeah. How do we connect with them? Well, and, and here's, you know, that's, you know, you have to train them and, and teach the drivers because but let me tell you the advantage that I have. <laughs> this is the advantage that I have. And, and, you know, we're struggling as well, but most of my drivers have been driving for the last, they've driven the mamas. <laughs> and, and, so they've been, they've been driving for a long time. Uh, but as, as, as a principal, I mean, that's just a conversation that we have to have and we have to keep, you know, it, we have to be inclusive. <laughs> we have to be very, very inclusive. And then we have to respect that. Uh, we, we cannot not respect uh those kinds of things, those those gender changes. Yeah, I definitely think there's there's obviously so much. I mean, it's it's ever evolving, right? And I think it's just those are the things that, right? Not giving necessarily making the trainer your bus driver trainer's responsibility to, to encourage and in service or to teach to right. That's that's where the administrators really need to step up or bring in the the professional adults that are educated in this to come into the room and and share like this is this is real deal right and i know a lot of people think it's not but they need to you know it the idea is that we're hiring professionals right you're not just a bus driver you're here to to help shape a kid's life in the educational process even though you're you're taking them to and from school right I, i'm sure every one of you if you rode the bus you probably remember who your bus driver was at least at some point right whether they whether it was the same one throughout your entire educational career but you you probably have one whether they were a super horrible bus driver or the the best bus driver you ever had right you're going to remember one of those two people and so uh i think that's important that you know that bus drivers 
really have that connection with with their kids and so it's important I, I i appreciate the question bob for sure all right so uh yeah maureen go ahead i was just in addition to you know behavior and language we also are having um issues with dress codes and how they come out to the bus and you know basically wearing a bra yeah like that's it and when we, you know, it gets some of the other kids, you know, you know, I don't know if upset's the word. So, you know, when we call over to the schools, I think it's more like you got to pick our own battles and we're working on that. But, you know, I can remember they used to send you home from school if you had a shirt on that said, you know, I don't know, something to do with alcohol or, yeah. you know, anything. But it just seems like. These days, they really have to pick their best. We we couldn't wear hats in school because they were considered gang related. So my my baseball yeah. hat could not, could not be worn. But yeah, I mean, right. I, that's totally the same thing. And I think that's one of the one of the things that's that's the real challenge, right? Is just getting the respect level from the transportation administrator into the doors of the district office and saying, Hey, we need to have a seat at the table and have be on the same page. It's not, we're not a us versus them. We're here to help you guys. And, and honestly, the bus is an extension of the classroom. So we need to make sure that, you know, those rules are being followed. Right. So uh, maybe just transitioning a little bit into just what your summer process looks like, right? What, um, what you guys go through, uh, we, we have a pretty good kind of feel across at least the Midwest to the, to the East coast. So what does your typical summer process look like as you guys prepare for the upcoming school year? Well, I'll start. I'm new to this, but I can tell you right now, of course, the main thing right now, because we are in the process of transporting kids, but making sure that that fleet is ready and prepared to go yep. is one of my major, one of my major uh, priorities is making sure that the buses are being serviced and to make sure that any preventive maintenance that we can do at this time, we do it. So that's a that's a major priority. In in addition to making sure that we we're refining our routes, we're looking forward to implementing a bus ride. So when I'm jumping on those buses. <laughs> and I don't know the route, and I I can actually just use the uh, the little tablet to get me to where it is that I need to go, and so that has been really exciting. That's going to be exciting for us and for everyone um, in our district who's driving our most precious cargo to and from school. For sure, no, it's uh, it's good to see all the new technology that's coming out to the bus and and helping especially new drivers trying to figure out you know what they're supposed to be doing. Marine. So we're, I'm still in the planning process for summer, and part of my frustration is getting, I'm sure with everyone, getting the information so late because nobody um, signs up in time. So I'm basically on a hold right now until I get that information. So I feel like summer is a crunch time of developing 15 routes in a week's time, pretty yeah. much. So that's kind of where... Do you guys? Do you guys? Do you guys keep the same routes every year? Do you you know? Do you alter your like Gen Ed routes, or you talk a little bit about the what that process might look like? For summer, it changes. I mean, a lot of them stay the same, but for summer, I never know like how many. And I feel like since the pandemic, we definitely have more added for the summer. So 
we also do all our outside placement um, special needs students too. Okay. So those, they basically go all year. So we have about 10 of those 1070 drivers who drive all year. And then I think we have about 12 um, CDL drivers for the regular ed routes okay. around town. Right on. Pam? Yes, so actually we get our information very late as a district as well for the summer. So we actually are still finishing up our summer. We um, have about 700 kids that will transport for the summer this year. And um, we have different programs as well. So we don't just do like an extended school year. We do like a success academy, which is basically other kids who are struggling but don't have a classification. And then we also, as a district, we bring in um, – um, students from an, um, an exchange program, basically, where they come from, I think, China, China or Korea, I'm not sure 100%, but the, the bottom line is that we also have to deal with um, getting those students to the school as well. So, um, and we also are looking forward to getting our new software for the school year, which will also be bus, right? And we're excited to have um you know, the opportunity to save and cut a lot of time out because it is very time consuming for us as a district to do this um, routing that we get. And, and like Maureen, we're last minute, but we're also last minute um, with pulling students out. So like I've already routed for the summer and I'm actually on my second time doing that because like I said, yeah. they'll pull kids out like the other day, the other day alone, I pulled out 30 kids that, you know, declined in that one day. So we, and then we'll add like here and there, we'll add like, you know, another 20 kids here or whatever, 15. So it's, it's never, it's never settled. Like it's always changing. So the summer is the worst time because yes, we're also trying to get our buses ready. We also have bus inspections from New Jersey. And then, um, we also had just installed new camera systems as well. So we have a bit of maintenance that we want to make sure we go through and make sure everything is working properly. And it's, you know, it's a short time. It, it's a lot of things to cram into a short time. So it is. And like you said getting late information makes it worse. Like last summer, I had no summer. Yeah. This summer, I'm hoping to get at least a week or two of <laughs> <laughs> a summer, but yeah. we'll see. How many of you are um, like seeing either ridership coming back, right? Whether that's because kids' parents kept them off the bus during the pandemic or they were all virtual, right? You were probably able to combine a lot of stuff and, and really kind of help shape what transportation has looked like for the last couple of years. But how, I mean, are, are you seeing enrollment, I guess, going back up or declining what your ridership looks like? Uh, Marine, I think, wanted to just jump in um, maybe on that last comment. So why don't you jump that, lead that off? Yeah, I was just going to say in regards to um, the summer, like Pam said, adding even one student can make a half hour difference on our end. Our town is you yeah. know, 40 square miles. So you have one driver driving it and then you have to call all the parents back with the new time. So it's, I feel like I end up doing the route three, four times over, which I'm sure you mm -hmm. can yep. agree with. For sure. And as far as the um, enrollment, I would say we're pretty much back this year. I feel like it's about the same from be 
before the pandemic. Okay. So. I mean, that's that's positive, right? At least for the school yeah. district, seeing that kids are kids are back in school yeah. and parents trust the the kids to be back on the bus. Right. Yep. For sure. Anybody else want to chime, Bob? Yeah, so I'm glad I'm not the only one that has these issues, right? So, uh, you know, the admins, uh, they roll power school over like 10 days before school starts. And like, I need more time uh, to do that. And, you know, the summer school is uh, re the remedial training and different things is, is really amped up. So we are doing the summer school routes and it just condenses the summer so much. So over the last couple of years, I've tried a new concept. I'm like, how do I... I firmly believe I'm only at my mantra. We're only as good as your last bus stop. You know, you're only as good on your last stop. And then it was successful. And how do I increase the margin of error? How do I make it a safer environment, not only for our students, but for our drivers. And so kind of what we implemented rather than the June and July of moving it back uh, to creating a next day event, try to create the next day event. And what I mean by that is that the last day of school, for you guys, I can't believe it's June, but uh, from May until the, the first day of school, make it the next day. And what I mean, so in doing so is that we start our planning in April, in that February, March, April timeframe for the next school year. So we know when the buses are going to come in. And what I do in May is I actually change the bus numbers with magnets so that the, the parents, the students, and the bus drivers get used to their new bus number based on asset management who's got the highest mileage, whatever, we're going to be changing the fleet around. And so that people are already in that mindset so that when we get to the first day, it's just an extension from the last day of school. Power school, we're all, they're never going to give me the information. So that margin of error is always high. Sure. And, you know, if you're planning so much, I mean, you can plan and I mean, endless nights, I'm sure all of you have been up, <laughs> you know, 16 hour days right before the start of school. And so we're going to have that. So, let's get that work the problem when we get to it so that we if i can get through the first three days without being on the national news you know because this <laughs> yeah. is the one part-time job that will get you on the national news yep. that if i can get through this first three to five days then i can really start to plan because i have real data and who and how do i add routes and different things and that way we're off and running that has helped out tremendously it's easier said than done and uh but i feel your pain in all of those but that's something that we've done that has helped us uh, over the last you know, two years. Sure, no, it's definitely something that, um, in in my consultant work and now my new my new position that we that we teach is like your planning should be starting in basically after right after spring break is over, right? We're gonna start talking mm -hmm. about twenty, you know, the next school year in uh, mid March, you know, beginning of April, and and it really. I feel like the most work goes into special needs, special needs planning and routing and everything that goes in there. And I think what's interesting about just student transportation in general is, you know, um, Dr. Eubanks could probably like attest to this, but right. Classroom planning. We, the, the schools can plan for how many kids to, to teacher ratio, right? They, they, they say, okay, we need 35 teachers for this many kids, so on and so forth. But we can't, for whatever reason, conceptualize that for student transportation, right? Because most times it's, hey, this is where the route is. This is where the bus stops are. We publish them. The bus, the kids come out, they get on the bus. We don't really have a record of who rides the bus, right? So all of these things we're not, we're not really paying attention to. I think technology is helping us get there a little bit further or a little bit closer to that and closing that gap. But, um, you know, we, 
that's what we were talking to. And then as a, as a router, right, I was up my IT systems backside saying, you guys need to have this data to me by this date. And, um, you know, they're like, well, it's, it's limited. I don't care if it's limited. I'll grade roll everybody that's in our current system and assume that they're, they're going to stay with the district, right? Bring in the new kids that have already enrolled since January. And at least that gives me a starting point. I always knew that by mid-July, I was going to have probably another 3,000 kids that were going to enroll, but I could plan for that, right? And I wasn't waiting up to the last two weeks before school was going to start. So that way we could, you know, at least go through route bidding. We could go through, you know, at least getting initial information out for meet the teacher night or emailing contact information to, you know, to parents saying, hey, here's your preliminary bus information, which would help couple and quiet the phones down. So that way, you know, our routers and dispatchers weren't on the phone all day. They were actually getting work done that needed to be done. So good stuff. Anybody else want to chime in on anything that we had there before we move on to the next one? Nope. All right. So on that note, does anybody so far require parents to sign up for the bus? Like whether that's part of the enrollment process, uh, whether that's an email that goes out to parents saying, hey, you're eligible for the bus. Please check a, a box or use a survey or anything like that. Maureen? Yeah, so we, um, I actually send out to our, we use um, Aspen for our database. So I send out a the form and they only have to fill it out if it's new information. So okay. I keep all the old, you know, information and then only if it's new, they have to. Right on. Pam? Yes, we actually do make the parents fill out a form, but only once when they first register their child. So if they register at kindergarten, they don't ever fill it out again. So they're not necessarily coming in year to year saying we decline transportation this year or, you know, anything like that. So you're pretty much what I'm hearing is probably most everybody's loading everybody eligible to the bus. So you probably have maybe say a hundred kids that are eligible to ride a bus, but maybe only seeing say 55, 60 kids that will, that will ride out of that neighborhood, something like that. Right. So that's what we'll do. We'll overload the buses a little bit just yep. to make sure um, we're still efficient. But we also, if a parent wants to take their child to a daycare or another uh, babysitter or private sitter in the district, we do make them fill out that form every okay. year because that's not part of their, um, residential area so we will only honor that if we have room on the bus i call that additional rider program so mm -hmm. yeah for sure right on bob you got some yeah we do have uh, i was going to ask and apparently brought it up the additional riders we've got a lot of what we call a transportation change form where we'll take somebody to a babysitter i mean and ours can be monday through friday i mean do you does everybody allow them to choose every day or do you actually say you've got one location and this is where your location is a.m and p.m route there is no riding home with person you know your friend on yeah. every friday when there's a ball game i know that we don't we only allow them like ever if you're going to do you can do mornings and afternoons to a different place but it has to be five days a week um so it doesn't matter if your little johnny goes to the daycare only three days a week the mom will have to actually go to the daycare to either, you know, the other two days um, to use that, to use that stop. That's good. Good okay. stuff. Maureen? Maureen? Sorry. That's um, right. We have similar to uh, Pam. The students have to be on 
one bus in the morning and they can be on a different one in the afternoon, but it has to be a Monday through Friday schedule, which, you know, obviously we get a lot of calls on that because right. it could be an inconvenience. But that's, sure. you know, if there's an emergency situation, obviously we allow bus passes, but not to go to someone's house. Yeah. Okay. Bob, we were we were running into kind of that. uh, We we got a lot of requests for like split what we call dual households, split households. Mom lives in one side of the you know at least within the school boundary. We wouldn't move them from outside of the school boundary, but say dad lived in one neighborhood and mom lived three blocks away or something like that, and they just happened to be on two different buses. So we would typically like duplicate the uh the record so we'd have a student id and then the student id in a dash two and i know some some routing platforms can actually split it within the same record but to the point of i didn't care what their you know custody schedule was i just wanted the kid to be able to like if he needs to ride the orange bus on this day that's cool if he needs to ride the red bus on this day that's cool he's assigned to both and kind of out there i think where we really struggled the most was like special needs requests, right? Johnny's got to go to therapy on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then he's got to go home on Mondays, Wednesdays, and then Friday he goes he goes to dad's, and we're splitting a you know this rotational schedule. That was that was the biggest challenge, probably one of the biggest challenges for us in trying to communicate that to our special needs department of like this is killing you know our route where we can be when we're on time. You know, it's throwing off the schedule of the five or six other riders that are on the bus as well, you know, because we're making these changes. And and I, I think just sharing that story with, you know, with those people so that they understand, like, you know, it's so easy to get hyper focused on one kid. Right. But we're, we're not worried about the other seven that have a hour and 15 minute ride before they finally get home. Right. So uh, I think it's it's definitely it's that's a, a great question for sure. Go ahead, Bob. Well, the afternoons are so much harder, right? Because in the morning, we've got six schools. So the child's going to go to one of six places. And based on their height, I can pretty well guess which one they're going to. But in the afternoon, we've got 3,700 spots that they can go to. And so when they're in alternate you know, location, when my mom called in or my dad called in or, or what have you, uh, it does make it tough because there is a disconnect from the central office and the principals as to, I'm the one, my driver will be the one who's on the national news if I drop that child off at the wrong spot. And uh, that's why I really like what Maureen and Pamela had talked about of just having one location. And uh, that's something, Dr. Eubanks, have you got any uh, uh, suggestions on how to approach uh, that uh, the central office of superintendents, please let me know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we tried to, and I think that's the plus about me being over there in transportation because we try our best to limit the number of errors that can actually occur so we unless it's it has to be an administrator it has to be approved by an administrator and there has it has to be communicated and approved by the transportation department before any changes can occur for sure marine if not, they'll be changing all day, right. day. yeah that's exactly if, if we if there is a change i always make sure i get it in writing the parent always has to write a note yeah. or the school just and i keep them all all the time i guess i'm just not paranoid, but I'd just like to have documentation of that. For sure. Absolutely. For sure, Pam. So um, with the dual custody thing, we actually did have an issue this year because um, we normally don't allow students under the uh, middle school age, like any primary age or elementary age students to be able to go to two different homes because 
and especially where we're at right now with the driver shortage, there's always like a different driver on a regular route. So you don't have um, the same driver every day, knowing that, you know, little Susie goes to daddy's, you know, this week or, and, and mommy's last week. So the, the, the issue then comes where the child doesn't know either. So Mm -hmm. if they're too young to decipher what bus they're supposed to be on, because then they just get dropped off and now there's no one there. Um, you know, even if you have them routed to two different buses, you know, if they go to that bus, the wrong bus that day, they get dropped off. And we're talking like a kindergartner or first grader, then, you know, you are on the five o'clock news. Right on. Uh, I think we're going to sign off to Dr. Eubanks. Thanks for being here. Uh, I'm Jordan. I like to stay connected. All right. Good luck to you, sir. Thank you for being here. Thank you. So as he transitions out, I want to kind of transition back to just the maybe the staffing shortage you guys are having and seeing if anybody's having some success with just uh, maybe different recruitment or hiring strategies that anybody wants to share. Maureen. So we actually are, we are training this summer. We actually put, um, a posting outside of the two schools that we have that said CDL uh, training available this summer. And we got eight people inquiring. So we have, we were very happy with that. So we have, I think about five applicants who are, we're going to train this summer. Wow. Uh, we don't, that, you know, the scary thing with that is we don't have five openings right now. So if they get trained and we don't have openings, the fear is that obviously, you know, they're going to go somewhere else, but True. we're happy that we have, you know, the applicants. So, oh, very hope for the best. so you guys do training before they, I guess, before they're technically hired on as an employee. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Pam. So we will train as well, but we don't have um, the, as many as Maureen. I'd love to have some of hers, but anyway, we definitely have more than five slots available. And I'll take one of them if they want to do this way. <laughs> anyway, um, what was I going to say? We um, we will train them, but only if they work for the district um, for a year. We, we buckled down to one year at least. I wanted to do two, but. So is that they sign a contract of um, basically like, well, for the training, I commit to one year of bus driving, something like that. Right. Because it is expensive to train. Oh, yeah. And the new procedure here in New Jersey is um, very extensive. And they had just changed up a lot of our uh, motor vehicle rules. So okay. we definitely um, want to make sure we're either keeping them for at least a year or they'll have to reimburse, you know, the, our sure. trainers. Sure. Bob? We created a marketing strategy, if you will, talking with the my drivers. What got you involved uh, for driving? And talk to and try to let's start there. And they, most of them were because their kids were in school, uh, maybe retired, different things. So what we did, designed was a, a marketing program, if you will, where we went after like the, the PTO. We went after uh, the band boosters. We went after women's auxiliary groups like the American Legion, the Eagles. Uh, the Moose Lodge, different things of that nature, and went in and, and actually had a presentation talking about the opportunities for women in our uh, bus garage. Uh, we had a soup for Santa in December where the people could come in and actually drive the bus on, and we got lawyer approval. But as long as they stayed within our parking lot, they could get in the bus and understand that the steering wheel is round. 
there's an accelerator and a brake pedal and the back wheels do follow the front wheels <laughs> and everything will be just fine. It, uh, so trying to reduce that fear that most people have. Um, I think we'll take care of the student management. We will train you. It's just getting overcoming that fear that people think that they can't do it. And they like children. They want to have that. And it's just bridging that gap. We've had some success with that. So right on. We were uh, right before I left. We, I mean, we had actually done it a couple times, but drive the bus event. I, I read an article of somebody that did it in New York and passed it along to uh, the our insurance provider and and DPS and tried to see if we could float it through, giving them an opportunity to like come and you know just see what it's all about, right? I, mm. We were we actually lost. I feel like four or five people that you know we'd hire on they we'd give them kind of the the rundown of it and then like after their classroom training was over we're standing out in front of a a bus pre-trip and like oh this is really big i don't know if i can do this and then they just you know so we spent all that time what i'm getting at all that time going through the hiring process and man hours of of getting them to a point just for them to kind of back out so i feel like the the drive the bus event almost gives them that opportunity to say you know what this isn't so bad or i could you know i can do this so it's Mm -hmm. Pretty, pretty interesting. Anybody increase or use ESSER funds to, um, you know, drive driver salaries up and be a little bit more competitive in the workplace? Seeing none. No. Um, and Jason, I also just want to be, be mindful of time here because I know yep. everyone's got a lot going on. Right. That hour just flew by, but Pam, go it ahead. It did. Yep. Uh, just real quick, we're actually uh, already marketed our. Um, pricing for our drivers and we we're actually in the top area we've been at the top level of pay for um quite some time so we didn't have to do anything we just have to advertise good stuff good stuff so i'll just uh maybe we'll close out the show with this so first of all i appreciate all of you guys being here that it's really um exciting to you know meet other professionals in the industry but if you want just to to sign sign off with something you're most excited about in student transportation it can be anything anything you want Maureen. Mine is definitely to start bus rights starting July 1st. <laughs> I'm serious about that. I can't wait to stop what I'm using right now. And I just, I know it's going to be so much easier and user friendly. We did the pilot for it and I loved it. So I'm very excited good, about that. Good stuff. I did not, I did not encourage that, no. by the way. And I, no, you did gonna... not. <laughs> I agreed. I agree the same. I, I told Keith in email that I would not bring up bus rides. So if his if his guest panel wants to to share, I'm happy to happy to share. So Pam, what do you got? I am going to go with bus ride as well, but I am also supposed to be getting a new building here. So I work out of a trailer right now, so okay. we're supposed to be getting a nice two story building. But that isn't happening anytime soon. But maybe you know we're still in the planning stages. Sure. So. Yeah, the new thing is bus right and the ability and the ease and the time that it's going to cut out of my day Yep, is definitely something to look forward to. For sure. Bob? Yeah, I think I agree. I think the technology and, and bus right is, is an absolutely fantastic uh, option there. Uh, but the technology is coming is is actually catching up to where we need to be that will take us to that next level to where we can attract new drivers, even with the ELDT program. Uh, the entry-level driver uh, training program that has been deployed on February 7th. We got some challenges there, but there's never been a better time to be in transportation with everything that's coming together and the support that we have 
We just need to change the compensation packages for the bus drivers and treat them as professionals. Like you guys have mentioned earlier, these guys and gals are professionals and they're good at what they do and they work for a great company in each of our school districts. So I'm excited. It's a great time to be here in transportation. And I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with each of you. Each of you have got so many great ideas and I've certainly learned a lot. So thank yeah. you very well, much. I'd love to, you know, get you guys back on maybe, uh, maybe around winter time, see how things are going. Hopefully you're planning uh, went well. Keith, thank you for putting this together. You got any final thoughts just as we close it up? Final thoughts are, it's ironic coming from someone who started a school bus technology company, but the people behind this industry, as, I, as I'll continue to reiterate, are, are why we do what we do. Um, and it's just so fun to be able to build technology to support those people, um, but also elevate the, the voices and the stories and the inspiration that we can get from uh, those that are, are the underbelly of our K-12 system and economy more broadly. And that's you all. So thank you for the work that you do and for giving us some of your time today. Yep. Keith, thank you for the work thank that you. you're doing. And I'm excited to meet you in person in uh, about, what, 10 days, not even. So that's good stuff there. Um, again, thank you all. I hope you have a wonderful summer. Uh, see everybody, uh, I guess, a little bit later today when I podcast again. So right on. Thank you for being here. And uh, take care. See you. All right. See everyone. Bye. Bye. Maureen. Bob. See you later. You've been listening to Hey Bus Driver. Thanks for being part of our community. If you're a student transportation professional, you are part of our family. The show is coming to a close, but you can reach out online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hey Bus Driver Podcast. And check out the website at www.heybusdriver.com. Till next time, this is Hey Bus Driver, signing off.